Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Bill Letson. He is a near-death experiencer. He had one of the most incredible ones I've ever heard. And guys, before I say too much more, let me introduce Bill Letson to the show. Hello, Bill. Hello, Leslie. Thanks for having me. This is wonderful. I loved your story. I couldn't get enough. I immediately contacted you. I heard you on the House Medium podcast, and you've been on so many. You probably don't even remember all the ones you've been on. And you're so good at telling your story. So now that we know you're a near-death experiencer, I know you used to be a fire captain. Now you're a retired fire captain. And your experience happened in 1994. So tell me more. Tell me everything. And let's start going. Yeah, it was 1994. I was 38 years old. I'm 68 now. Okay. And I was on duty down in Santa Barbara and normal stuff, you know, running calls. Yeah. And we had a flu sort of thing going on. And we went to a woman, just standard medical call, and we had to break in, and she was in the back room, and I got exposed. She exhaled, and I inhaled, and so I, within a few days, I was super sick. I got what she got, and ended up in the hospital, and, you know, some wrong turns happened, and that's really common, because a lot of NDEers are, you know, something from anesthesia or some kind of procedure or something, And, and then they're out, you know, they're out of their body, like we all can do. Exactly. So yeah, I ended up in the hospital and they gave me some things that immediately reacted with. My wife said, you just, your eyes rolled back and it's like they, like they killed you right there on the scene. And you oh, went wow. all the way down, you know, bells and whistles went off and everybody panicked and they came in and they narcan you a bunch of times. And she started writing everything down. And she said that the highest blood pressure she heard was 40 over zero. Oh my gosh. And yeah, that's that's not much uh, to no. go uh, And so they had the head down thing and a couple of high flow IVs yeah. and up to intensive care mm. because I was I was hanging on. You know, I wasn't coding, but, right. you know, the life signs, the vital signs were, you know, really low. Exactly. And they told me the next day because I was, you know, doing Ironmans. I was a big triathlon guy. Right. And they said your system was so, you know, tuned that the standard insult that it was for a normal person. You somehow continue to perfuse oxygen to the vital signs until you recovered, which was hours later. Oh, wow. So, yeah, because you were in such good shape, I could only imagine that helped you along. Yeah. So when you were 40 over zero, you're pretty much not with them anymore. So was that pretty much when it happened or were you still kind of hanging on? What happened next? Well, you know, I was out. And the thing that I remember is, you know, this is like 3.30 in the afternoon. But the way I've always told the story is that sometime during that night, because I was out for like 12 or 13 hours. Wow. And I mean, this is just my feeling is that sometime during that night, I left my body. Um, So we all can do that with, you know, the Native Americans figured it out with Vision Quest and stuff. Sure. You take your body down to a place where it's pretty stressed and, you know, you'll have some kind of experience. And so, yeah, that's, um, you know, I was up there just not encouraging vital signs at all. And it was going on for most of the night. And sometime during that night, you know, I popped out and I was flying through. There wasn't any there wasn't in the room or any of the, you know, going up through the floors of the hospital or anything like that. I was just immediately flying through this star filled realm. 
It was just all these beautiful colored stars, these orbs, they had a life to them. And it was just, you know, emotions. That's what the real universe is, is emotions. Really? Oh, yeah. And uh, that's, you know, the energy of our emotions, you know, our intentions are what our motivations are. That is, (laughs) that's what we're here to get under control and to keep them at a high level. Because on the other side, jumping ahead a little bit, but on the, on the other side, everything's immediate. And so if you have this flash of anger, you know, we're incredibly powerful beings and this can be a big disruption. And so we, that's why we're here on Earth. We get all those things out of our system and we learn how to control ourselves. You know, Bill, you make a good point. I've talked to other people that say our emotions are like a ripple effect in the universe. I've heard people say this before. Yeah. Yeah. Everything matters. Even that guy that you worked for as a teenager who, you know, uh, screwed you over on your paper route or something. Yeah. Just thinking about that now and having some ill will towards them or something is going out there. <laughs> wow. And yeah, it's, it is incredible because you're right. And I've heard people say everything's about intention. And if you keep your intentions all as good as possible, only good things are going to come back to you. And I kind of think that is the ripple effect you can give yourself. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what we're doing here is we're learning that, okay, this is a game, even though it's an incredibly well done game. Yeah, It's a really good illusion, but we're supposed to get control of our thoughts and realize this is really the whole point, is to realize that we are these incredible beings, the soul, the higher self, in connection to God, you know, this all this one, we're all one thing. Right. It's just this expanding thing. We're just a little pinpoint of uh, amusement is what, you know, we are as humans. <laughs> right. I, I've heard people say that we are fragments of God and, and God's very curious about himself. So this is how Bill saw it. And this is how Leslie saw it. And this is your point of view. And, and he wants everyone's point of view, good or bad. And that makes a lot of sense. I resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah, that is right. And that's when, uh, going back to my story, when I was flying through those beautiful orbs and stars, that was the feeling I got that I was home. That wow. this was ab- absolute acceptance and welcoming and, you know, being held and belonging. And and it was this euphoria, yeah. overwhelming, blissful feeling. And the, the biggest thing I was thinking while that was going on was, man, what was that? You know, my life here on Earth, w- which has been incredibly charmed. Yeah. But the whole thing with, you know, the emotions that were saddled with energies that we're saddled with and they're all there on your birth chart you know astrology is incredibly accurate oh i i've interviewed them too all astrologists that i can but i've got one favorite that he did i just did one with him so you're following an astrologer's predictions episode just now so (laughs) oh that's i think that is you know a lot of us aren't going to have a near-death experience or something like that we're going to go through life wondering but when you go to a good, genuine astrologer and, you know, they lay out your chart for you and your strengths and your weaknesses and yeah. what you're prone to be led to. And it's just jaw dropping. And, you know, my wife and I went to this really cool guy down in the jungle in yeah. Central America. Yeah. And people raved about him worldwide. And we had our thing read together. And he pretty much told us exactly what our problems would be with our two charts and what the answers were. And, you know, we were obviously together and happy. And he said, you guys are so wonderful because everywhere there was this huge blockade, 
you found a way around it through love. Yeah. And and he said it's just so cool to see that this all this stuff really works because we were in our sixties. Yeah. And you know we've been together since our twenties. And wow, congratulations on that, by the way. <laughs> and yeah, you're welcome. And the you know the chart said you guys got a lot of of issues and. You know, they didn't. They weren't there. It's been a wonderful life yeah. uh, because you know, if there was a need, you just let that person's, you know, you let their script play out for the person that they came here to be. You know, and yeah. Yeah, like we were talking about, you and your husband. You know, he doesn't understand it, but he supports you out of love. He, he, you know, it's funny we bring this up because I've been married to this lovely man for 27 years. He's the best man I've ever known, Bill, and I adore him. And he adores me back. And we've had obstacles, nothing crazy. I, I and, and hopefully nothing ever too crazy. But you know, we always like, like you and your wife, we always found a way around things. And we did it because we try to think about how did that other person feel? And just because I'm not stressing out and they are, don't be judgy. And let's help each other. And when you do it through love and through understanding, boy, it really helps, you know? Yeah. And it's really hard to get away from that voice in your head that yes. can be a little a-hole, you know? Yeah, and oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. So you're in this beautiful area of just, because I always thought, I meant to ask you this, Bill, when all these near-death experiencers, when they feel the love and it's unconditional, and it's almost like they're holding you. We're so conditioned to being in this human body and we are already detached from what we really are because you even said, how could I have thought I was Bill? I remember you saying that. So can you explain that a little more uh, as far as the physical body? Did you miss the body? Did you, was that when you were like, how could I have thought I was Bill? I mean, is that what happened? So yeah, it was, I kind of started that with when I said, man, what was that? You know, that, that was gnarly. And, uh, and it is, yeah. it, it really is for us. Even, you know, people that seem to have everything again, it's yeah. the, the negative emotions that don't exist on the other side. Yes. Um, the things we carry, like jealousy and anxiety and, you know, hatred and rage and, you know, a, a lot of those things, um, right. they don't exist. They're gone. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that is an incredible burden that those emotions are so heavy and so low vibrational yeah. Uh, yeah. that they hold us down. They kind of hold us down in this realm until we get control of them and then you know we raise our vibration and this is the whole thing with earning our wings yeah because and, you know i've had people say well if everything's bliss up in heaven why would we ever want to come back here why would we want it because i believe in reincarnation too and my mom kind of gave me this idea she said listen we need the contrast yes we could read the book and feel all the feelings of the characters or we can actually be the characters and i do think there's a lot of truth to that you know yeah yeah, that's totally the truth. And, you know, experience is the best teacher. Yes, and yes. So we come down and we, we sign up for, you know, our good points and bad points and all that. And then we come down to Earth School, you know, the school of hard knocks. Yeah. This is where the, the hard lessons are learned. And that's why it's so rough here, because, you know, it, it's the downside. Look what we're capable of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, exactly. Just exactly. turn on the news. Oh, listen, don't even get me started. So do you think, so when you're up there and you're feeling this euphoric feeling, you said oh, it's almost like having a climax. It's almost that constant feeling of like, it's that good at all times, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And so I was flying along and I was like, wow, what was that? And then, then you had a couple of questions. And one of them was, I felt like I'd been released from a hot 
dark, stuffy closet. And wow. I had been held there. And now it was this huge expanded cloud, this balloon that went on forever. And it was like this cool breeze was blowing through every cell and every cell was giggling at this new scenario I was now in. Everything was, every part of me was giggling and overjoyed and it was this euphoric bliss and I was sailing along. And the biggest question I remember was how in the world did I forget who I really was? How in the, how in the heck did I believe I was that dude? Because I wasn't, I wasn't Bill. You know, he's a good guy and all, but it was like, (laughs) I didn't want anything to do with that circumstance I was in, that body and, you know, the mind that was clouded with, you know, with all these energies that are down here. Yeah. Because all that was gone and it was just euphoria and the whole universe was smiling and welcoming and and this is <laughs> this is outstanding. You know, there, there's a discussion here for someday, but it was like I've used this every time. It was like a cosmic orgasm yeah. and it just continued to go and go and go. And, you know, we're told there's a little drop of light that's in our body that is, you know, part of, you know, this collective energy of yeah. the universe. And, you know, sometimes we access that when we're in love. And those two things are connected. I know that sounds completely off the wall. <laughs> no, I mean, nothing really sounds off the wall to me in this particular circumstance, because I think anything's possible at this point. And maybe that's just a, a taste that particular feeling that that is a taste of how it really feels up there. No one wants to escape it because why would you? It's so euphoric and lovely and, and warm and encompassing and your whole body feels it. So yeah, it doesn't seem strange to me at all. Yeah. And it's when you think about when you're in love, you know, it's only going to happen to us a few times in life, but when you're completely lost in love, you can't stand to be out of the presence of your partner. True. Uh, True. You can't get enough of them. And that's just a one-on-one thing here on earth, which on the other side, that's what you have with everybody. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's why people have so much trouble here. And it's, you know, it's really bad now with, uh, you know, the lifestyle, you know, with the alcohol and the drugs and cut off from the natural planet, you know, everyone's. But, you know, I think there, I think there's a good message here, though, too. Um, You can stay cut off and you can stay very worldly and cut off from nature or your whatever you believe in source, God, whatever, I believe it's more a source thing. I don't think it's a a bearded man um, thrashing down his judgment on you and all that. The biblical part of me is, is it just doesn't resonate with me. But some people are very religious and I do understand why they are. And that is their reality. And I'm not here to change someone's mind. But I do know that that's just so trivial, I think, to source and to where we're really going, you know? Yeah, we're we're doing our best. Even the near-death experiencers, you know, you can see us. We're all stumbling through these interviews, and we're doing our best to describe, you know, that there's this bigger thing going on. And religions are the same thing. They're coming back through the characters, you know, that are writing the books and laying down the dogma and the rules. And they're doing the best they can, but there's flaws in human beings and yeah. I think some of these religions, they, they get a taste of, hey, if we take this story this way, then we're we're really going to have a controlled group here. Right. But, you know, I think, though, Bill, I think they're supposed to do that. I think there's got to be some evil with some good or bad with good. Just like we talked before we started recording, I said, I think that every bad person and good person and everyone in between, we all go back to source. Is that something that you felt 
immediately, like it wasn't like told to you, did you feel like, oh, we all come back here. This is, this is home, no matter who you are. Did you feel that innately? Yeah, the, the universe is love. This is, uh, it's nothing but love yeah. and understanding and patience and kindness. And this thing that we're into here in this, you know, this earth school, yeah. this is a dramatic departure from that. Yeah. Like the most dramatic departure. And, you know, there's this thing called the procession of the equinox, this 24,000 year cycle where there's a golden age and a silver age and a bronze age and an iron age. Yeah. And 2012, you know, we just bottomed out at 2012. Mm. That wasn't the end of the world. It was the end of, you know, the darkness and the lights now coming back into the oh, world. Nice. And, you know, that's why I'm getting called by dozens of podcasters. You know, everyone's waking up, you know, in their own space. And it's like, well, I've got to do something. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I can interview from all over the world. I mean, literally one week it was like Vietnam, New Zealand, <laughs> wow. Brazil, Ireland, uh, Madagascar. And I'm like, this whole world's involved in this. And, oh, uh, you know, this this ascension, this grand awakening, I do believe it's truly happening. I do think I think there's some resistance with some people that don't believe that we are necessarily having this. And those are the people that maybe uh, watch a lot of the news and my husband watches a lot of the news. And that's okay, because I've got enough belief and love for him and me for both of us. So <laughs> but I was going to say, there's a good explanation to that is, uh, and, you know, I've got people I love that do that, too. Yeah. And if you listen to these near-death experiencers, a lot of them say they go to, like Nancy Rhymes. Like she went to uh, this wonderful natural place and these beings came and then they put these screens in front of her. Yes. Like three-dimensional plays, you know, that played out. And uh, then she watched her, you know, life review and there's all these different screens. So that thing about watching a screen, uh, that's a big thing with us. And yes. It goes right into our, you know, our left brain, the brain that's kind of submitted in this world. Yeah. And the right brain that's connected, you know, to our, you know, our deep consciousness and even to the divine, that just takes everything the left brain sees. It takes it as truth. So a lot of people, they watch these screens and they'll say, well, yes, of course, you know, this thing happened because I saw it on this screen. And yeah. it's a very powerful, it's a, and this, you know, the screens will even tell you, uh, some of the stuff that we're showing you is baloney. Oh, wow. There's clues out there. And like I said, we bottomed out in 2012, and it's as hard as it gets right now on planet Earth. Yeah. And, you know, planet Earth or the Earth realm or dimension, that's as hard as it gets, yeah. you know, yeah. in, in the universe. Everything is just, like I said, love and understanding and kindness and sweetness. Yeah. And that's the universe, except here. We, exactly. we learn the really important foundational lessons of be nice. That's the whole lesson. Yeah, it's all in the way that you, like I said, that you view it. And if you come at it with, hey, this can be an adventure. You know, I've, I've got this big move coming up. We're moving to a, our weekend house and things are happening a lot faster than we anticipated. And I started kind of going, oh my gosh, we have to do this and this and this. And then I, I was kind of freaking out a little bit. And this happened literally this morning. And my mom, I mean, I just kind of get a little thing from her. And she's like, you are okay. You need to calm yourself. And this is an adventure. And you can handle this in a way that'll freak you out a lot. Or you can handle this in a way that you don't need control. Yes, do what you need to do. But this is an adventure. And, you know, you're going to be fine. But what I wanted to get back with you on, though, when you said you were going through 
these planets, you know, these and these stars and all these beautiful colors. You were met up with some beings, right? Yeah. Tell me about them. Yeah, yeah everything was was awesome there. There was nothing was impossible and I was home and it was perfect. And then I was flying along, you know, and I call that like the heavenly realm. Yeah. And then I was flying along and all of a sudden I landed and everything shifted and I was in a place. I was in a place that was solid and, you know, it had indirect lighting and there was equipment there and, you know, walls and beds and things. And it was like a clinic or something like that, like a facility. Oh, wow. And right in front of me. I was immediately confused, like what what just happened, right. and and it was like a from what I say, it's like my whole NDE is like it was like a tour. It was a tour of you know left Earth, heavenly realm, some in between place, yeah. and then I came back to my body, and there was this really dark feeling when I got around my body which is kind of this other place that we don't want to go to. Right. And I, I know that a lot of people that come back from near-death experiences, they do experience a lot of depression because they were given that taste of the other side and then they didn't want to be here. And all of a sudden they're back and they're like, why am I back here? So yeah, that's, that's a thing. That's a big thing with indie ears. I know that. Yeah. When you come back, it's like, you know, you step back into that energy that is the current personality that you're pretending to be. Yeah. And that is that is such a load. That's why babies, you know, when they come out, they're crying. <laughs> right. Um, so you were met up with these beings. Tell me what happened when you were in a room that felt solid and there were things like a clinic. Tell me about that. Yeah. So right in front of me were these three short little hooded guys. Oh, my gosh. And they were overjoyed to see me. Aww. They were bouncing around and giggling and like little munchkins. And, you know, they had this sort of playful, almost mischievous side to them, uh, but they were sweet and they were kind and they'd known me forever and they were, they were cool. Yeah. And I didn't know what had happened, but I didn't have any fear at all. Fear really didn't exist. Yeah. I was just a little bit confused and they were sitting in front of me and they were smiling and bouncing around and bumping into each other. And they were saying things like, how was it? You know, what did you learn? What can you tell us? Yeah. And I was just looking at them, you know, like with my mouth open, like what what is going on now? And uh, one of them stepped forward and he looked me up and down and then he turned to the other two with a, you know, the munchkin voice and said, he doesn't remember us. And they all started giggling uproariously oh and gosh. bouncing around. And it was like, I said this recently, it was like I would I had been on a roller coaster yeah. uh, and a new roller coaster. And I just got back to the landing and my best buddies were there and they wanted to know how was the roller coaster. Okay, good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, still a little shaken up by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Wow. And so they they were great. And, you know, if you ever watched that movie Communion, yes. um, I know it's a horror movie. And, you know, if you turn the sound off, I heard Robert Edward Grant, he gave a lecture recently and he talked about the sounds that are in soundtracks and movies. Yeah. And it's called a diminished fifth. And if you hit those notes, you know, our energy just jumps on board and says, OK, I'm, I'm full of fear. And oh, OK. That makes sense. Uh, you can actually feel it. You know, I, yeah. I stopped going to the theaters. I loved going to the theaters, but, you know, they got those really deep speakers and mm-hmm. they get those tones going and it's mm-hmm. like, wow, this is really overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Bill, have you ever seen Defending Your Life 
with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep? Um, I think I saw it, but I, I can't recall the details. The reason I ask is because this guy, he gets a new car, gets hit by a bus, and it's supposed to be kind of a comedy, but there were so many things in it that are reflective of the things you guys say. Like it goes to like this place in the sky that's kind of like a little resting place, a little clinic. And then he has to go in and review his life. They decide if he goes back, like you guys come back, or if you can move on, right? And how many days do you are you looking at? And they're looking at a big screen of all the things he's done. And it's almost like a little courtroom. It's just so funny. But a lot of the things you guys say happen in that film. And I'm just like, what? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the films are, you know, they're speaking to us. And yes. It's not some Hollywood conspiracy, I don't think. No, no. I think that, you know, we have our left brain and right brain, and that right brain is connected to the divine, which is creation, which is the creator, which is creativity. And, you know, people who write books and song lyrics and movie scripts, you know, they're they're creative types, and they're tuned into those messages that are coming from the other side. Exactly. And, and it ends up in our movies, and it's there for us when we're ready to see it. Well, and, yeah, and you know, when you say when people write books, you know, I write paranormal romance novels, and I have a whole novel series of angels versus demons. And I just wrote the first book, and I talked about the council. And these people would go to the council. They didn't judge you. But they would ask you, how did you feel? The, the roller coaster ride you just talked about. And they were hooded and you never saw their faces. And I didn't, I just made that up. And then somebody else goes, you know, you were channeling that. And I'm like, what? I mean, because that's, that's exactly what happens. They just tell me what you learned. How did you feel? What would you have done differently? All the things that these people ask. And I was just like, really? So in my mind, it's almost like maybe I was channeling that then too. And I had no idea. I don't know how it works up there. I've never had an NDE, you know, so it's just like, so when you guys talked about these three hooded, because it was three hooded people, they were just people sitting behind like a, like a big long desk, but it was marble or something. They were like in this very angelic area. That's just what I pictured in when I was writing it. And they're like, you understand that's what you were doing. And I'm like, I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's really cool because I've had that, you know, dreams slash experiences yeah. with being in front of a bunch of people that are not judging, but they're, you know, they're asking questions and stuff. And David Oakford, he has a NDE and he talks about going to this place, you know, yeah. this wonderful city. And goes into this building with his guide and he's, you know, sitting at this big table with these beans on the other side. And, you know, it's all really cool. And yeah, that's your, you're spot on with your creativity there. Yeah, you know, and so, so you're talking to these people and he, they're like, he doesn't remember. And they're laughing. He doesn't remember us. And you're like, what is going on? So did they like let you look at your life for a little bit and then you decide to go back? How does it work after that? Um, yeah, you know, the whole thing about the confusion, it's, Tom Campbell talks about what happens when we die. Yeah. And, you know, he wrote that book, My Big Toe or something like that. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes. He's got a great video. It's short. And he says that everything is set up for us to not go into a fit of uncertainty. Okay. And where we get confused because, you know, he says fear is something that can creep back in. Yes. And if you get into a fear cycle... Then you're going to plunge into, you know, you know, we're little creators. So we'll plunge into our own personal hell for a while right. until we sort until we sort it out again. 
And yeah, it's really good about it. He said, you know, you stand in lines and they put you in front of panels, but it's all to give you time to Adjust. sort out yeah. that you're back where you belong. And, yeah. you know, your mom you, sounds like she's a part of that with the greeter. Yeah. And, uh, John Davis has his NDE. These people arrive through these tunnels and there's all these greeters there. It's the coolest NDE ever. Wow. Um, yeah. And my thing is too, like, I know that you were probably just like, this is so fun. These people know me. I love them for some reason. And now I'm really starting to love them. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but I remember in another interview, you said they were like, well, you got to go back now. Yeah. So there was this other guy in the place I was talking about, you know, the clinic. And he was in the background initially, but he was this tall, wispy guy. Oh, yeah. And he came forward and he was like, you know, I've said lots of things like he was a stretched out Gumby or... (laughs) walking stick yeah. or but the thing that really you know i was playing around with water and i was spinning this water you know structuring water yeah and you get that whirlpool you know that little sliver of water that's spinning in the middle of, of a whirlpool yeah it, you look at it from the side and that's exactly what he looked like this really? um wow. spinning vortex of energy and he came forward and he had this huge smile on his face bright eyes and he just looked like he was so happy. And more than that, his love, as his energy sort of, you know, enveloped me, his love was overwhelming. Aww. You know, a lot of people say this is Jesus or God or a higher self. Yeah. But just know that there is a higher version of us that mm. adores us and appreciates our lives down here. You know, our suffering, our sacrifice. Yeah. It's leading to this education and, you know, that higher self, that is us. Wow. It's hard to believe, but, you know, there are many aspects to us. And if you ever don't do this, but if you ever did drink this ayahuasca, you go from this expansion thing to where you have the awareness of the soul and the higher self and even beyond where all of that opens up and you can look back at yourself and go, my goodness, you got a lot of issues, dude. And, exactly. uh, yeah. and that's why people get so much, you know, uh, People with addiction and stuff, they get so much help from that because they realize they are these hugely expanded beings. Yes. There's never anything to worry about. And they don't want to let that big guy down, that big you. Yeah. I think we're all a part of God, a sliver of God. I'm, I'm going to ask you this, though. Do you think like atheists or people that don't believe in all this, even my, my husband's not necessarily an atheist, but I think he's more agnostic. He hopes there's something. But, you know, I'm not here or you're not put on this planet to, to change their minds. But a lot of them say, oh, well, that was just your mind going through the process of whatever chemical it is when you don't have the oxygen or whatever it is. And I and that's absolutely they, they've proven that scientists have proven that. But also, there's no way that you could remember the detail you're remembering from a dream. I don't remember a dream two seconds after I remember it for one second. I don't remember it. This is different. So what do you say to the people? Yeah. So what do you say to the people that maybe don't believe? I'm just curious. Do you even approach them? Do you think that we can maybe make them think, huh, maybe I should look into this more? What do you think? Well, what I think is that the near-death experiencer and the people who do the shamanic medicine Mm -hmm. and the people who, you know, like Edgar Cayce, they they could do this deep meditation to where, you know, uh, Dolores Cannon's thing with the QHHT, where you actually kind of go into the self-hypnosis thing and you experience what the near-death experiencer experiences and and what the shamanic medicine people experience. You leave this earthly body and you leave that earthly self behind 
And, you know, I do it. If I sit quietly, it just pulls away. The vibrations start and I just pull away into something else. And my body is like a pile of rocks that I left behind. And you're in this blissful state and you see these other beings and all this stuff. And you come back to your body and you have to like reanimate it um, when you get to that kind of deep meditative state. And a lot of the people that you're talking about, they're fully invested in the character they're playing. And they're fully invested in that left brain. These are the facts. This is what I know. This is solid ground. We got all these things. We got science, religion, and history. And and they got books and they got degrees. And it's all a bunch of baloney, really. (laughs) And, you know, they're immersed in the role. Yeah, yeah. They're immersed in a role of being human. You know, and you got to get out of that human way of, because up there, when you said there's no emotion, there's none. Well, we're not human then. So why would we have jealousy and hate and all the bad things that we don't want to talk about, right? Yeah, we're not separated in these vessels with this left brain mind that says, I have to survive at all costs. Right. You know, I have to get everything that I need and I have to survive in culture. I have to be at the top of the, you know, chain and I have to rule the board and, you know, all that stuff. Survival, survival, survival. Yeah. And when you drop that away and go, and this is the answer you're looking for, go into nature mm-hmm. and be still, mm-hmm. you know, quiet the mind. If you quiet the mind so far enough, the soul will speak to you like you having conversations with your mom. You have let go of Leslie enough to where you can rejoin that place where indie ears go. And um, everybody can do it. But, you know, these times are incredibly confusing. We talked about the screens. We're staring at screens all the time. Oh, yeah. And we're really cut off from, you know, you can sit quietly next to running water and look at a blue sky and there'll be screens there. Um, Mm. You can see things. You'll see. I mean, it's remarkable. But you have to let go. And yeah. we've forgotten who we really are, that we ha- we are these very powerful beings. Uh, the ancients knew it, the Egyptians, the Mayans. Yeah. The Egyptians, they weren't over-concerned with death. They understood the afterlife yeah. and, and that we are, you know, these temporary sort of characters that we're playing. And we're walking hand in hand with our higher self through the universe. And it's all wonderful. Let me ask you this. What do you think our higher self is? Is it just a bigger soul? What is it? Um, you said it earlier that you think we're all a sliver of God, yeah. and you know, they say there is this ultimate consciousness, yeah. and it's broken itself down into what Edgar Casey called godlings, mm-hmm. these you know super beings yeah. that is us, and then as Tom Campbell says, these super beings make these individual awareness units that come into life, uh, free will awareness units that come into life and you know we have thousands of them and we get to choose moment by moment are we going to love or are we going to be in fear Mm. and when the fear starts diminishing and you're thinking only of how wonderful everything is this life and the afterlife and everything is such a gift you know then we we've reached that vibration to where we can return absolutely now let me ask you this so when you were there with the three beings and then the big guy that came because you were talking about in another podcast you're like Nobody was like higher as far as in command than the other. They all had just their job to do. And that bigger guy's job, whether it was God or whatever, said, yeah, well, it's time for you to go back now. And you were like, what? 
Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. It, it wasn't very organized. They were, it was just pure joy, and yeah. they were all bouncing around. And, you know, I made some comments about, uh, well, you know, we need to go through a review of my life because, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was home. Yeah. And let's get through this, whatever's going on here, this facility, so I can get back out into that place that had no boundaries, yeah. no limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was ready to move on. And, and so he humored me. Because I said, you know, you guys want to do a review of my life, and he just chuckled. I could feel his, I could feel his laughter inside me. Oh, and wow. when he stopped chuckling, he said, "Sure, let's do that. How do you want to start?" <laughs> and you know, I told a few stories, just filling up time, and they didn't care. They they weren't listening. Nothing changed. And and then he said, "Okay, that's enough. Time to go back." Oh my and, gosh. That was like a sledgehammer to the head. And I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, I was, you got to be kidding me, dude. You don't understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that place is gnarly. <laughs> and, you know, he was just chuckling. And, I mean, we got to put that in perspective. He was just chuckling about everything. He goes, no, 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 you're going to be fine. You got to go back. And, wow. uh, you know, it's whatever's going on here, it's a really good illusion. And yeah. and nobody's harmed. There's no permanent damage ever done, no matter, you know, a lot of people like to bring up Hitler. No matter who you are, yeah. nobody's ever permanently harmed. Uh, it's just a game we're playing, and we're all learning great things from all right. of it. Do you think that people that do bad things here... Do they have to have maybe more healing time? Do they have to go through something that's maybe different than maybe you and I that didn't do those things? Yeah, when we leave this realm, we're going to, depending on our vibration, we're going to go to one of those places I just talked to you about. Okay. That heavenly realm or that in-between place where we're learning or the other place. And the best movie for that is called The Astral City. Okay. Oh, and yeah. Uh-huh. It's not a religious I mean, I'm talking about seemingly religious things, but that movie is not a religious movie. It is a factual movie of this this channeler from Brazil, very famous man, Chico Xavier. Yeah. And he wrote, you know, like 400 books or something, channeled 400 books. And one of them was this astral city about this travels of this man who died. Okay. Initially, when he died, he went into this valley of the shadow of death. You know, with a gnashing teeth and horrible, um, you know, horrible experiences. And so to answer your question, he asked about where do people with really bad intentions, right? really low vibrational motivations, you know, they go to this place full of selfish others like them in mm-hmm. this torment. Mm-hmm. And it's not forever. It's until you, you know, because we are these e- eternal, infinite beings. Right. Until you can consciously sort out where you went wrong and what happened. And in this movie, you'll see beings, you know, in this horrible, muddy place say something like, oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, you know, to somebody that they harmed. And these beams of light show up and, you know, they graduate out of this uh, this hellish realm. And yeah. that's that's all part of our education. Well, because I don't think it's necessarily hell. But, you know, it's funny that we talk about this because, and I've said this on my podcast before, my father was not a good man. Um, he abused my brothers and my sister and I. Differently, my sister and I, well, you can only imagine that part. 
and my mother found out they divorced. He never got charged the whole thing. I did not have communication with him, but my brothers did. So, but I forgave him and just moved on with my life because I just don't need that negativity. So I just moved on. I thought I did. And so my mom, because I can talk to her, she says, you know, you can talk to him if you're curious. And I'm like, I'm not curious. I don't want to talk to that SOB. And she goes, well, yeah, but I thought you forgave him. And I was like, well, I did for me. And she goes, you can talk to him. I said, where is he? Because I knew he recently passed away. My brother said, hey, you know, dad died. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And she goes, you know, you can talk to him. And I said, well, where is he? And she goes, he's not where I am, but you can still talk to him. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it. So I did the same thing I did with mom. And after about seven or eight tries, I finally got, dad, are you there? And he said, yes, I'm here. And I said, where are you? I said, mom says you're not where, you, where she is. And he goes, I'm not where your mother is. And I said, where are you? And he goes, I'm in solitary confinement. And I was like, what? And he goes, yes, that's where I am. And I said, well, why? And he goes, because that's, he, he made it sound like, and it wasn't like this conversation it was more of a download kind of thing. I think you know what I'm talking about, Bill. And, and he said, I put myself here because I couldn't stand the kind of man that I was when I was alive. And it's almost a self thing too. Like his vibration matched it, but he also chose where he wanted to be. And he thought solitary confinement was best. And I said, well, what do you hear? And he goes, I can hear people screaming. I can hear people very upset and crying. And I said, do you feel source? Do you feel God? And he goes, I feel God all around me all the time. And I said, wow, okay, well, what can I do? Because by then I'm feeling sorry for the guy, right? I mean, what? And I said, is there, yeah. And I said, is there something I can do? And he goes, the fact that you're talking to me right now is going to help me. And I said, okay, well, dad, I want you to do something for me. It's almost like a Reiki thing I asked. I said, I want you to go back to that little girl when I was little. And I want you to hold her like a father should and protect her and love her like a father should. And I said, and I want you to do it for all of us. And he said, don't I need permission for the others? And I said, no, you never need permission to be the kind of man you should have been. And I said, I don't want you to go do that for me. And he said, I will try. So a couple weeks later, I tried to get a hold of him, couldn't, couldn't. Finally, uh, it was a little while after that. I said, dad, are you there? And he goes, I'm here. And I said, did you do what I asked? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I don't know what happened, but I said, I feel way more connected to you now. And he goes, that's probably why. And so I said, are you still in solitary confinement? And he said, yes, I am. So we talked a couple more times after that. And about Bill, about a month or so after that, I said, where are you? And he says, I've absorbed back into the light. He goes, I didn't want to absorb back into my higher self. I went to source and I asked source to take me back into him. And I said, well, how can I still talk to you? And he goes, you can always still talk to me. I'm still me. Energy can't be destroyed. It just changes form. You talk about that on your podcast. I'm still me, but I'm back with Source now. That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a really cool healing story. That's like, what it is. Well, and I was like, is this is this true? Is this really happening? But why would I? I don't think I could make that up. I don't think I could have done that. Yes, I'm a writer. Yes, I'm creative. But this stuff just came to me, and I was talking to my psychic friends who were very, very good at what they do and very caring and loving about how they do their work and their mediumship and all that. And they're like, that's exactly how it works, Leslie. Yeah, that is so that is so cool. That's such a, a healing, you know, healing is healing bad emotions. That's, yes. that's what it's all about. And Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body and stuff. That's just like emotional baggage that we carry. Yeah. And man, for you to go through that, you should 
it's good you're talking about it because yeah. it, you're right. Everybody can sit quietly and, you know, and access these things. And well, Yeah, and it's one of those things, like you said, go into the woods, listen to the stream of water, listen to the birds chirping, listen to the leaves when the air flows through them. Do all of those things and just be quiet and listen to yourself. But there's so many people that are just so caught up in the in life and I in, in the and the process of fast going here and there and we got to pay taxes and we got to go here and see our friends and we got to go out and have parties and that's all fun and good and we're here for that too that's absolutely what we should be doing but sometimes it's just give your mind a rest I mean I we're going to move out to 35 acres and there's a tree there's a huge tree on our 35 acres we got a ton of trees but her name is Victoria. I have named her. We have conversations. I'm like, Victoria, you're going to have to protect me out here because this is a big change for me. And she goes, you got this. You're fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that is that is the answer is to slow down and yeah. get to that stillness. And you can reach all aspects of you and all aspects of your, you know, your soul group, which is mostly your family and especially your bloodline. Yeah. You know, you can reach all of them and, you know, get closure on some of these things. That's really cool. That's really cool the way you explain that. Well, and it's exactly how it happened. And it was just crazy because, you know, I didn't expect, but it was almost like it truly was when he started telling me where he was. And because it was so many years ago and all the things and, you know, time does heal. Uh, It doesn't make it right, but it does heal. And when he started telling me where he was and how he felt and that he couldn't get out and he put himself there because he felt horrible and all of that, because in his human form, he didn't give a rat's ass. He didn't care, you know, but you know, when he he became the person, like you said, I can't believe I, I thought I was Bill, you know, and he, he probably thought, I can't believe I thought I was this, this man, you know, this, this man that thought he was so cool and, you know, did all these horrible things to little girls and boys, not the same things, but, you know, still beating them and never got caught, never none of that. And then when he saw how horrible it is, but then you think, okay, wait a minute. What if before, you know, we have soul contracts. What do you think about that? Could I have asked for it? And you're like, well, that's victim blaming. And I'm like, I don't, do you see what I'm saying? So what do you think about that kind of stuff? Yeah, we definitely asked for it because, you know, that whole thing we're talking about this God and we're a sliver of God. And we are supposed to experience everything, even being that, you know, that horrible biker that rides through town and terrorizes the shops and stuff. We're supposed to experience everything. Right. And, you know, it's because we want to grow. I mean, if I came down here and my life was bliss, yeah, I'd have a hiccup here and there, but I'm not going to learn like I would if I said, you know, I want to know what it's like to come down here and die of cancer or whatever. And no, don't be wrong. Up there, you're thinking, hey, that sounds fantastic because there's no emotion. It's all a play, right? It's all a game. But then you come down here and you're like, what the hell have I done? (laughs) You know, that's interesting that you, what you said, because in Robert Monroe's book, Journeys Out of the Body, he talks about finding his deceased father on the other side. And he was in a cell. And initially it was like, oh, great to see you, dad, and all this stuff. And then his dad, you know, got tired of the greeting and stuff and sat back down in a chair and looked at the ground in this, you know, kind of pitiful, I'm a horrible person pose. And then Robert Monroe couldn't talk to him anymore. And he he moved on. And he even said, my dad is in a self-imposed prison. And, you know, that's where he's going to be until, you know, he forgives himself or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know if the difference with mine was I hadn't talked to my dad in 30 years, no contact, nothing. 
So the fact that I came to him and he was like, what, what, what? You're coming to me? Maybe that gave him hope. I don't know. Your mom, your, your mom is in that higher realm. Yes. You know, she's in that heavenly realm that they call it the upper astral or yes. something like that. Yes. And then, yes. you know, the middle, the middle astral is the, you know, the city and the facility, uh, the clinic and the healing and stuff. And then the lower astral is that hell place. And then, yeah. you know, we're right, we're right next to that hell place. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't necessarily believe in fire and brimstone hell. It's more about a, you know, listen, you're just a lower frequency because you didn't do the best you could in this life. So there's no judgment. You can leave whenever you want because he felt God around him all the time. And God's, he did kind of indicate, God said, you really want to go there? Okay, you can do that. You can go. You don't have to do that. But if this will help you, because he indicated that God said, you don't have to do that. Right, right. We're on a really cool venture, man. It's yeah, I mean, it, it is. So they tell you, you got to go back. So you come back and you're waking up and the nurse is like looking at you like, oh my God, right? Right, right. Before I got back in my body, I was in this place that we don't want to experience. And oh, okay. it was really low vibration. And like I said, the heaviness of this place was being reloaded oh, onto me. Makes sense. And like I said, it's it's a devastating feeling. And yes. then you wake up in your body and you've got all that energy around you yeah. from you know, countless lives and whatever's gone on in this life. And that is where all the depression comes from with NDEers. Okay. And, and a, a lot of people, you know, people that I respect, you know, they've had years of trouble and addiction creeps in because you're yeah. trying to escape. Yeah. And that nurse, you know, I kind of told her, I said, you know, I bought the farm. I was dead and Bill was gone. And I, how did I get back in Bill? Right. And she said the funniest thing. She looked me right in the eye, put both hands on my shoulders and said, honey, you were in escrow, but you <laughs> fell out. And now you're back with us and you're going to have to get your head around that. Oh and, and, you know, that was like a soul to soul. Yeah. And I was grounded and I had a few days of sadness, but... It was like, okay, I don't get to be there right now. And, you know, I got important work to do. I'm, I'm a fireman. You know, yes. this, I need to help people. And I was back in the game. And that is an unusual. Um, yes, it is. They that's do. unusual. Yeah, no, it is. Because you going back like that, when I've talked to many near-death experiencers, not all of them have, have gone through a really serious depression, but most have. And they did not want to come back. That's the, some of the core things. They say the other side's more real than here, and they didn't want to come back. Yeah, yeah. And when you do come back, it's like I said, it's like somebody backing up with a skip loader and dropping a ton of gravel on you, and you're buried under it. And, you know, and then you're in this slow-moving creature that you're pretending yeah, to be. yeah. So yeah, there's nothing but great things to look forward to. That's the good news. That's the thing. And it's so funny when you say we're all pretending to be these, and we're, so we're all characters in this big, crazy play that we're a hologram or whatever this is, you know? Yeah. And you can, you know, we're at a crossroads. We're headed for a big change and it's going to happen politically first, I think. Okay. And you can watch our political yeah. leaders. Oh yeah. They're, they're like bad actors. It's like, <laughs> It's it's like nobody's that you know this scene is no nothing could be this more ridiculous and you have to laugh at it yeah and what I do is I turn the screen off and I go outside you know and there's geese and wild yes. geese and we have a, a big lake behind the house nice. and 
The world is a beautiful place. It really is. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I have learned really from my mom too, especially from her. I have really learned to take it day by day. And I don't think I did that because I was always planning for this or always thinking about the past and a little depressed about the past sometimes or too anxious for the future. And it's just like, you know what? You woke up today and you are happy and everything is fine. And you know, don't worry about all that. Don't worry about it. It's not going to change anything. All it's going to do is make you happy or sad or indifferent. Just try to be happy, right? Yeah, each moment we have a choice. And, yeah. you know, we can go down the scale and look for something to be upset about, or we can go up the scale and say, wow, look at that, you know, exactly. look at that cloud or yeah, whatever. Exactly. You know, look that- at how beautiful that, you know, if you have cats or dogs, you look at the you know, creation. Uh, it's just, everything's just perfect. Yeah, everything's put here. Well, so as we close out the, the interview, what's the biggest and best message you can give to my listeners about just life in general, and then and then maybe the afterlife? What's the best message you can give them? Well, the, the gift of, of the NDE is that you realize that this temporary person, this, you know, this voice in your head, this person that you are, is not really you. It's not the full picture. It's right. just a one, it's just one grain of sand of what you really are. Wow. And the NDE and the, again, those healing medicine, shaman things, and yeah. the deep meditation you can see that. And when you experience that and and see that, you know, that infinite eternal you, then everything changes. And so if you slow down and give it a chance with meditation and, you know, that getting into that deep state of getting back to who you really are, and then you realize, and that's the whole point, is, you know, knowing thyself, knowing that there is this huge version of you that goes on forever and we're just in a, a game yeah. um and then this calmness comes over you <laughs> and, it, and it that's what i can tell you yeah no beautiful words and beautiful message bill if somebody wanted to get a hold of you is there is it basically through like how i did like through an email yeah okay. that's uh, a b letson 56 at gmail.com okay and i'll add that in my show notes and bill you have been amazing thank you so much for being on my podcast and listen if i have any more questions i'll call you back and we could talk some more yeah you're welcome you're, you've got a lot to um to give to people with your stories it's really good thank, thank you, you. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.